Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Well, you know, it's snowy outside. It's colder than <laughs> you possibly can be. And you know what that means? It means Dan Dickerson and I are in here doing Tiger Talk on 97 on the ticket. It's a great tradition, no matter what day of the week we're on. Yeah, it doesn't. And uh, it's great to be here. I'll tell you what, it's this time of the year I start pining for baseball. I start thinking about baseball. I put on my little iPad and go back and look at in- individual innings just randomly throughout the <laughs> from the time serious and just kind of dream about the, Anybody really the, wonders whether Pat is a sports geek, especially baseball? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I put on a game. This is the truth. I think it was from, like, September, uh, the 9-8 game. Castellanos hit a home run <laughs> against Kansas City. It was at Comerica Park. It was like a rainy day. I put on and watched a couple innings of it, saw uh, a Candelero <laughs> bat. And I watched, uh, uh, was the lefty pitcher that came up from the minor leagues? Iro? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, the other, the, uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't think. Uh, Miles, Miles Jane. Is that him? Or is he a righty, right? He's a righty. Who is the lefty? Last I looked. I did not go back and review any games, though, so I might be mistaken. And, you know, they put up there that his ERA <laughs> was, you know, it was like 5.2 or it was really high, six in, in the sixes. He's pitching against the Royals and all of a sudden started crushing home runs off him. And uh, But I, I just I was watching. I went through and kind of shifted through. Gosh, I can't think of who. I, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I, if somebody says a name, I'll know it right away. But, uh uh, a lefty up from the minors in September. Yeah, he was up. He was up earlier in the year. He was one of those guys who was Chad kind of, Bell. Chad Bell, that was who it was. Started some games uh, that they got in the trade uh, a couple of years ago. So, but anyway, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. The I thing is, it. Pat's getting excited about baseball. He's going back and reviewing, or at least watching. I just put on at random, least watching. I put on some, some of these September game. Tigers games. I put on random <laughs> games. I went back on MLB.com. You, and you know, I hope you watched maybe some of the postseason. Uh, you know, the postseason was outstanding this year. I watched a lot of that. I'd go back and look at it. But uh, you know, the point is. Uh, Tiger Fest is coming up a week from Saturday. Um, we're all excited about that. Uh, Dan and I will be on doing a show uh, from 11 to 1, and we'll have all Alavila, all kinds of people. I assume Garden Hire, yep. everybody. 
Uh, we'll stop on by and, and talk. I'll be there starting at ten o'clock. Dan Leach will be working with me the, you know, the first hour of that, and uh, we're going to have game show. a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be the pregame <laughs> show for the uh, the Tiger Talk uh, the, uh, special edition. We always look forward to it. And it's that time. You got your. Uh, Media caravan and getting to eat some of uh, those doubled eggs out there. And a week from this states. Thursday, we we head out. We we head for places north. You know, take our skis with us. You know, uh, I don't mean to go back in the day, but uh, back in the day when I was a beat writer, <laughs> uh, we used to take that bus with the players. We'd go and uh, we'd travel with them, and it was just one tour stop. Ernie would be there, and uh, way back in the day. You know, Jim Campbell would do that. We'd always stop at Winchulers. That was like the big thing. And we'd go all over the state. And I remember over to Grand Rapids. It was a big deal. I'd be waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sullivan. We'd always see Bob Sullivan That's up right. there. You know, as always, we'd come, he'd come in. And gosh, I remember, uh, you know, the, Bob Sullivan opened a hotel. And we, instead of staying at the Amway, we stayed at the uh, Bob Sullivan's hotel up there. <laughs> Uh, because, of course, he was a famous baseball guy, and he was responsible for Mickey Stanley signing. Mickey Stanley's And the Sullivan's down. turned out a few major leaguers. Yeah, a very good uh, baseball program down through the years, and uh, a lot of Tigers tradition. You start to really feel that tradition. I think more so this year uh, with, uh, you know, Tram and Jack uh, going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, baseball, there's all sports are traditional, all those different things, but Nothing quite like the tradition of baseball and that feeling. There's something about it. You know, I know Ernie did his, uh, what do they call it, the song? The Voice spring. of the Turtle. Yeah, at the burst of it. There's just something. When you have, one of my favorite things and something I always do, when you do your first spring training game, I always listen to that. And especially if it's at Joker Marching Stadium, and it doesn't matter if they renovated it, there's a certain sound that comes out of that ballpark. And, of course, having spent so much time there myself uh, at that ballpark, what it means when you say those things, uh, you know, and just starting, I can hear that noise. That's so special. You know, it really is. I mean, it's if you can't get excited about right. it, I don't know what you can get excited about. Right. There's nothing quite like the start of a baseball no. season. I'm not saying that just because that's my job. I mean, truly, I've always felt that way. No, I know that. And I loved all sports growing up, but there's just something about the start of a baseball season that I don't think any other sport can quite match. Yeah. And those summer days, you know, I tell people, well, the Tigers aren't going to be contenders. I was like, yeah, but it's going to be fun this year because they're going to be building to something different. You're going to see some young guys come up. They're going to surprise you. You're going to have some disappointments with some of these guys. It's just different and fun. But, you know, like when it's the middle of summer, say it's a July day, and, you know, somebody comes in, say the Angels come in. I don't even look at the, the Angels are coming in in July or something or whatever, and Mike Trout's in town or something, and you're sitting there and it's, you know, 80 degrees, it's this beautiful sunny day, and you're looking out at Comerica Park, and it when you're seeing a baseball game, I, I, I just can feel it right, right now. You know, especially in the middle of the winter, it just provides hope. You know, and it's this feeling that's a, I don't even know if I can describe it, even if I'm a writer. Well, I think all, anybody like, who's gone to the ballpark in years of the Tigers didn't win, like I did when the mid-70s when I got my driver's license. And thank, thankfully, my parents just let me go and on my own. And I loved it. Those were some lean years in the mid-70s, even with Mark Fidrich coming up in 76. It was still lean for a while. They lost 19 in a row in 75. Still went to the games. Loved, loved going down to, Comer- or to uh, Tiger Stadium. Center field bleachers for buck fifty when I started going. Yeah, you know, and, and I remember it's why that. We, it's why we like baseball. There's still you, you like the game. Yes, this might be it's going to be a different kind of year. But like you said, July day, good team in town. You never know. You know, and just take last year, for example. You know, it was, well, it was kind of a lost season after the Tigers lost and everything. 
But you saw some things in that season that you just you went to the ballpark, you didn't have no idea were going to happen. The classic example was Matt Boyd almost throwing a no-hitter. You, when you go to a ball game, and I don't know, it, it, all the games that I've been to, and heck, you've been to more than me now, you know, because uh, you, know, you go to every game, 162, and uh, it's, you know, I was a beat writer for less time than what you've been a broadcaster for. So you've been to more of those games than I do, and you have to sit through all nine innings of them and call all nine innings of them or extra innings if it goes that way. But you know this, it could be like 10 fives. It's, you know, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, all the, and then all of a sudden something that you've never seen before will happen. And it, it's it's the magic of the game. I mean, it's I can't even believe how many times something happens that I've never seen before just covering some game in the middle of summer. My first year, had never done baseball before other than practice tapes down at Tiger Stadium. So I'd never, I had no idea what 162 was going to be like. I didn't right. know if I liked baseball at the end of 162 games right. of every day. Remember, we, the Tigers started 9-23 and 23 the year they traded for Juan Gonzalez, new ballpark, supposed to be good. They were right. not. And I remember asking Ernie Harwell in Minnesota very distinctly, remember exactly where we were, how do you do this when your team is no good? And he said, just remember, somebody's always listening. Give them a reason to listen to that game. You might see something you've never seen before. You might see a great individual effort. You might see a great game between two bad teams. Simple advice, but it was a great reminder why we love baseball. And within a week, I swear, it might have been longer, but it seemed like it was within a week. That was a bad team. And might have been, it might have been later in the year, because they actually got better at the, toward the end of the year. I think it was two on, nobody out. Tigers had Vernon's at first and second. Pitcher steps off the rubber, traps the base runner between first and second, tags him out, traps the base runner between first and se- or second and third, tags him out. Unassisted double play just by stepping off the rubber gets two runners. And I asked Ernie, have you ever seen that before? No. no. That's only how <laughs> many games he's... Years. <laughs> you know? Never seen that before. Within, I swear it was within a couple of weeks of him giving me that advice. Never seen that before. And, you know, the game, too, there's this way where, you know, individuals will come up, some guy from the minor leagues, uh, he might be a top prospect, or he might be some guy that's, a, you know, considered a 4A player. But, you know, you, you kind of feel for the guy. You understand his story. You tell his story. You see his story. And it's an individual confrontation. It's not a continuous motion game. He's up there batting. And, you know, it's like weird. He might be batting against Clayton Kershaw or something, and he'll pop a home run or something. <laughs> and you think to yourself, that guy doesn't do anything ever in his life again. Right. He's got that moment. And uh, I don't know. It's just an incredible game. But anyway, you want to talk about it? We're here to talk about it. This is a labor of love for Love us. to hear what We're Tigers like... fans, what's on their minds going into this season. I mean, pitchers and catchers are going to report on Valentine's Day, not that far away. What are some of the things either they want to see or they have the biggest question marks about going into spring training, which is not that far away. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Uh Tigers catcher James McCann will join us at seven forty five tonight. It's Tiger Talk ninety seven one the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. We got open lines. Dan brought up a question. Uh you know, what do you expect and what will be the big storyline in spring training this year? It's a good question. I don't I'm not so sure. You know, spring training so often is not a good time to judge <laughs> who's going to be a breakthrough player and or who should make your roster. Obviously, the right. Alabiel and his staff, Ron Gardenhire and his staff have to figure out 
sometimes based on spring training performances, but this year maybe more than some other more, years. More than you know, most. You're going to have guys making the team and or not making the team because of spring training performances. That bullpen to me, it, Pat, is wide, wide open. And really, given how slow this free agent market has been, and you look at some of the guys who are still out there, I'd kind of be surprised, even though the Tigers aren't in a spending mode, there are going to be some bargains, veteran arms that you would think could help this bullpen going into spring training. Or I would think some of these guys can be unsigned at the beginning of spring training. Right. Oh, it's, it's, a bargain meaning two, three million dollars right. for a veteran arm that can really help a bullpen that really has no experience outside of Shane Green, who's still relatively new to being a reliever and certainly a closer, and Alex Wilson. There's just not much beyond those two. You know, I was listening to, and I, and I apologize, uh, I would uh, attribute it, but I forget exactly who said it. You know, a lot of information uh, going through these uh, space <laughs> between these ears here. But um, somebody was talking about this offseason. I thought it was one of the most astute observations I've heard. And, you know, talking to baseball people uh, this offseason, I thought it was a great one. You know, players right now, you know, say a guy's a five-year guy, he would rather be an arbitration-eligible guy than he would to be a free, a free agent. agent. Because the arbitration's tables are set. You saw Castellanos get $6 million. You can you know, predict it almost to the right. point .1, million, whatever it is. Well, very close. Yeah, I mean, they predicted, what, uh, McCann would get 2-3? He got 2-3. Right. And so it's pretty obvious. And with free agency, teams are... There's a five or six teams that are going for it, and they're being very. You know, they've got pretty good teams. They don't have to to bid for anybody unnecessarily. The Yankees already made their big moves, you know, with uh, you know getting Giancarlo Stanton, and the the lower level free agents. Other teams just they don't want to go anywhere near the luxury tax. They all want to use their analytics department. Uh, to build a core and uh, what the game plan and blueprint that the Tigers have, that's the blueprint in Atlanta. That's the blueprint all over baseball right now. If you were to go and that's the blueprint in Cincinnati where they're hoarding prospects. They've got a lot of really good ones. That's the blueprint. You go around baseball, that's what it is. And uh, so those free agents are going to be out there. And you're right, Dan. I mean, at what point uh, would somebody like Al Avila say, hey, you know, wait a second here. You know, this guy, you know, value of contract works both ways. You don't want to have a value of contract, and the Tigers have gotten caught in this uh, cycle for many years now where you're overpaying. Right. Uh, but, you know, value of contract, some guy's a, a $5 million player. Uh, your analytics department tells you that, and he's available for $1.5 or $2 million. Exactly. Why not sign him? You know, because, you know, if you get some wins, you know, more people are going to be interested in your team. It's going to drive, you know, some of your box office, and that contract could pay for itself to a degree. Uh, merchandise, all the different things that they do. Right, uh, and another guy that you might be able to trade at the trade deadline. Right. Truly, you pick up a guy for less than he is valued, absolutely. And yeah. there are going to be those guys out there. And that's why these analytics departments are so important. So important. Because, it, it, and people will say, well, Pat, what are you talking about everything? It's like 5% here, you give yourself an advantage. 10% here, you give yourself an advantage. You know, it's across the board. It's strategically. It's an injury evaluation. It's kind of one of the underrated factors uh, that uh, they've been able to crunch these numbers and come up with analysis on it. So it's not just some kind of wasted, you know, kind of Orwellian, 
you know, type of thing, you know, where people want to put it in there. And there's all, you know, there's still guts and sweat. The game is still played in right. open air space by human beings. But, uh, you know, it, moving forward, it'll be interesting to see. You don't want to pay somebody $5 million when they're worth three, but if somebody's worth uh, five and you can only pay them three, it might be a good deal for you. Look at the guys that have talent, have a track record, that, again, Chris Basio has a knack for guys who maybe have underperformed right. and can get something out of them. But, I mean, just Sergio Romo, Tony Watson, Tyler Clifford, Houston Street injury shortened year, one year removed from a pretty good year. I mean, these are guys who are all still out there. They're not all going to be signed in the next few weeks. Just thinking of lower-budget guys, especially guys who might want to just sign that one-year deal to get some of their value back and get, you know, being attractive. Right. I would think Tony Watson's going to get some money. But there are guys out there, Peter Morthen, not a, not a huge, you know, sexy pick, but workmanlike guy. But, what you know, and also what happens, uh, it comes down to, we're talking value of contract, monetary things, but they have value when it comes down to, look at last year. You know, you probably had half the teams that can fancy themselves as contenders. It gets near trade deadline, and all of a sudden that guy has value for prospects, for somebody who may want to take a run at it. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a fascinating way right. uh, to look at it. It's very different this year, and uh, you don't want to throw good money after bad, but the, the values, value of contract can go the other way. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how, uh, you know, Al Avila and his staff are looking at that. For fans, if you're looking at it, right, who, who would make sense? To me, I always start still with the very basics, strikeouts and walks. You want that two- Three to one strikeouts to walks, especially for relievers. I want a strikeout rate that's close to seven right. and a half or above, preferably closer to a strikeout an inning. Don't look at ERA. Look at look at the underlying skills. How many home runs does he give up? Tony Romo, a little bit home run prone. How many swings and misses does he get? There are two right. ways, different ways of measuring it. Find one that you like, but I want a guy who gets swings and misses too. I mean, those are the kinds of things. If you look at just ERA, a guy who had a four forty. Might actually be a pretty good pitch with low walks, high strikeouts. You look right. at a guy like Andrew Kashner, 330 ERA, high walks, low strikeouts. That's not a guy who, to me, is very attractive to anybody. And I think that's why he's still sitting out there. Just a couple of things that, that fans can look for. Try to figure out for yourself who would make sense for this team. There, there are going to be some bargains. And I'd be surprised, really, at a low cost if the Tigers didn't spend a little money to beef up a bullpen because this rotation has a chance, a it chance does, to does. be pretty decent. It does. And, you know, the the guy that, you know, look, I may very well regret this. Um, but I think the guy you got to look at a lot and is Daniel Norris. Because Daniel Norris has not had an easy time. Daniel Norris had a health issue. Uh, he had a, a injury issue. Uh, he's had expectations that are getting kind of thrown on him. Big-time prospect, traded for a star. You know, put in, and he got off to a fast start for the Tigers. And then, you know, kind of went uh, a little south on him, a lot south on him. And a lot of people are down on the guy, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, he's a pretty good athlete. You know, he's a lefty. He sets One up of the best well. athletes on the team. Uh, he, uh, is, he's got a little juice on his fastball. It's 93. You know, it's in there. He's got a real good, you know, bite on his uh, slider. When it's right, he gets over the top on it. And it you know, it's got, he's got a good slider. Uh, it seems at times like you're going to feel pitching, and he's just a little off. With his command. He doesn't miss like all over the place, just a little off. If it's just a little on, he starts clipping the, the strike zone instead. And the umps haven't been squeezing him. I mean, the, no. the box shows uh, that he's just a little off. 
man, he could all of a sudden be like a version of Robbie Ray this year. So I'm not predicting that. I know people will. Well, Robbie Ray, know. I mean, his walks are still very high. Yeah. Daniel Norris's track record actually is a little bit better than that. Robbie Ray would have some trouble in the American League. And his ERA is going up this year unless the walks go way down. That's what the projection is. For, for you get a walk rate over it. four, your ERA is going up. Right. And he struck out 12 per. Uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, you know, uh, so I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to tell. The other thing on Robbie Ray, though, in fairness to him on that, that ballpark is a hitter's paradise. If you watch games there, the ball really carries its second highest elevation in Major League Baseball. So, you know, it's hard to tell exactly where he's at, but I, I understand completely uh, what you're saying on that. Uh, David, you're on 97 one the ticket. What's up, Dave? Hey, guys. Uh, really uh, glad to hear Tiger talk, especially in the middle of January. Um, I have a question. Um, uh, my friends and I want to go uh, check out some of the minor league affiliates, and I was wondering where you think the top three pitching prospects uh Manning, Fiedo, and Burroughs, where, where they'll be pitching this summer. Well, I think you'll see those guys, uh, Burroughs and uh, uh, Perez, are their two guys that you really want to watch, uh, will be in Erie to start and then probably move to Toledo if they have success. Erie's not that hard to get to. Uh, the ballpark's in a, in a little bit difficult area. <laughs> you know, it's a little rugged there, but I think you would like it. Um, and uh, you'll see uh, Fajardo. Uh, likely will start in Lakeland. If they think he is ready because of the weather. More so than West Michigan? Well, they don't want to put him in uh, West Michigan in April. But you're not going to start him in Lakeland, then send him to West Michigan. Well, what you might do is is put him in extended, and then uh, when the weather warms, put him in West Michigan. They're hoping, uh, because he's so advanced, uh, that he can pitch at Lakeland to start. Um, and the know, ideal would be at Double A by the end of the year. Yes, uh, and they don't. Want, but the the key is with him; they don't want to put him in. You know, he, it was you know the forty right. degrees and have him but start games. You could have Matt Manning and Alex Fiedo, two different pitchers because one's out of high school, one's out of college, both at West Michigan for at least a time this yes, year. Yes, uh, absolutely. It's very possible that uh, Fajardo could be. And then you'd have Burroughs and Perez at Erie. Yeah, I'm That's just telling tough. you kind of what either they road trip, on that. Either yeah. road trip would be good. Obviously, West Michigan, great setting, great crowds, two hours away. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm trying to think who will be at West Michigan. You know, I think you'll, you might see that Foley kid back there again for a bit and, you know, some others, but... Uh, you know, I mean, eventually, West Michigan's always a good place to go. It's a great, you know, venue to watch, and you'll see some guys uh, that are really good that'll be there. Uh, they, they, they had pre- a great that, season last year. Yeah, yeah, they yeah did. 90 games. They won 90. The one thing, <laughs> one thing I don't like about the way things are structured, and it's not the Tigers' fault on this, but nobody goes to the games in Lakeland. I mean, there's maybe 400 people there. The games are not on minor league baseball television. Uh, it's very obscure. Um, it, 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 if you've ever been to Lakeland, it's like 95 degrees with 95-degree humidity in July. Yeah. It's just a different atmosphere. But a lot of the Tigers' better prospects actually are going to be there this year, that Paredes kid and others. So, But go to West Michigan. Go to Toledo. Toledo will have some. It's a good uh, ballpark, too. Yeah. Uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. But Erie would be the most interesting place at the start of the year, I would think. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. 
248-539-9797. Tigers uh, catcher James Can will join us at 745 Tiger Talk here on 97.1 The Ticket. This is from Ticket Text. 97136. Interesting question. Why can't Castellanos play first base? And I think Gerber uh, should be converted to second base. Uh, we got some lefties in the lineup somewhere. We have to have some lefties in the lineup somewhere. Sir Mike and Hamtramck. I have no idea. If Michael Gerber, who's an advanced prospect, he's a little older. Um, is he going to be more than a 4A player? He's going to be interesting to see. He's an outfielder from Creighton uh, that was taken and has done pretty well through their system here, but he's a little older. Um, I don't know I if he's ever played infield. but uh, I think that is key. I was looking at this winter. It, it, it reminded me, and the numbers are not dissimilar to in terms of age and production, and it's not a slight at all. Casper Wells, who was a promising prospect, very athletic coming up, had a, kind of a brief major league career. But I kind of look at I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know if he's a 4A guy or if he, I, he doesn't look like at this point a major league regular, but could he be a fourth outfielder in the major leagues? Absolutely. But he is older, and I think that's important for people to keep in mind. I have no idea. I've seen him uh, play quite a bit on these streaming games. And, I know uh, you scouted him. I've looked at him a lot. I've sure seen him play a lot. He he looks like he's pretty good to me. But he does look like there's not one outstanding tool that stands out. And It's like, Dan, you know, the second baseman they got for the future. It's it's, it's this this kid named DeWal Lugo who's a little bit better prospect than what I thought at the time that the Tigers traded for him in the J.D. Martinez trade. He can turn to double plays, athletic. And, boy, does he got a live bat. And I'm watching these games streaming while you're on the air, you know. I'm sitting there with my iPad watching these games. And one of the things about the Walugo, he had a couple home runs. I mean, they were high velocity. Man, he hit them a long way home runs. But he hit them off guys who were throwing like 83, 84 miles an hour. I mean, off-speed pitches from double-A guys who are never going to pitch in the major leagues. Now, he obviously has the tools to be a major league player and a good one, the Walugo. Better than people think that way. But when the, you know this, and especially now, the average fastball in the major leagues from 2002 has gone up from uh, an average of uh, 90.5 uh, or whatever to 92.3, and it's going up and up and up. Can he hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball? Can he hit a major league fastball uh, consistently? If he can't, they just keep piling that in there. You saw it with Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones is an outstanding athlete, but he really struggles with a little bit more cheese. You know, as Rod Allen would call it, Rod always says high cheese. So I got to give Rod, <laughs> you know, the credit for that. But that's, uh, you know, the question. Michael Gerber, when he sees those type of guys, uh, Christian Stewart, who's got an extraordinarily live bat. He sets up there, man. Yeah, he, he could be a, he could hit 40 home runs in the major leagues. That's not an exaggeration. He's a very powerful hitter. You know, and the question is, he can't throw very well and he's not very athletic in the outfield. You know, will he be able to hit enough to translate that? Will he be able to get better enough? You don't know until you actually see them out there. You know, last year you were giving me a hard time about something, and I forgot me? that I had said this. And I said, Dad, I never said this. <laughs> I never said that. I never. And then I remembered, like, it was like three months later, I was thinking, you know what? I did say that to Dan. And I forget what it was. It was something <laughs> I was telling you, and you said, you said Nick Castellanos could get down the line. Yes. How did I know you were going to bring that up? And uh, I didn't contradict you on the air, though. 
No, 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 no. This was just you and I. I stopped by the booth. I, I try to stop by the booth once in a while. You're always busy. I'm always busy. But once in a while, I stop by the booth there and just chat and, with you. And you said to me, and I forget who we were talking about. And I said, I never said that. I did say that because sometimes it gets misleading and you don't know. And well, uh, I mean, the point to your point. At the time you said it, he was not very athletic and he was not quick down the line. That was my feeling. He changed completely in the offseason, and we said it in the first exhibition game. This guy looks different because he worked on it. Like right. you said, you wrote about it last week. This is a hard worker, and he, he obviously worked. He, he was much quicker. What do you have? Nine, 10, 11 triples last year to lead the American 11, League. 10, yeah. And, I mean, that's a clear indication that he was faster on the base pass. So I want people to know I contradicted you off the air because he really, until last no, we year, was not very athletic. Talk. You know, I, right. sometimes you and I talk, we go back and oh, forth. Oh, it's fun it. to argue yeah. baseball. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I was like, I never said that. And I actually did. I remembered, <laughs> like, a long time after speaking to you, I forget why it popped into my mind, that I had said that about him when he was a minor league guy watching, you know, the stream games, or I might have been down where he was uh, playing. I don't, I've gone out to the minor league sites uh, like I, I used to go to every year. Um, but it's... Uh, you know, I was doing that Baseball America work. But it's just, uh, I don't know, it's hard to tell. You know, it, it's hard to tell. It really is. Uh, Christian Stewart, to me, is is somebody, we haven't talked about him that much. No, I was going to say, of all the, look at the top 20, and there, there, there's a pretty good consensus on close to most of these guys. Of the top 20 prospects, or the top 15, and they, what, half of them are guys who've been added to the top 15 list through trades in the last six months. I would say the only one really who has a chance to make an impact. Michael Gerber, I think, maybe has a chance to make an impact. But in terms of really making an impact, I think we'll see Gerber this year. Might even make the opening day roster. I mean, well, how old is the guy? He's 26 years old. Yeah, I mean, you got to see him by now. He's, uh, I'm sorry, 25, 26 in July. Yeah. So this is age 25 season. But I would think the guy who has a chance to make an impact because of what you talked about, special power, is special Christian power. Stewart. I mean, Special he really power. might. He might spend the whole year at AAA. I don't know. But that's a guy that at least, given the opportunities that might be there, I talked to Bruce Fields about his defense because the, all the reports have really have been kind of the same, that he's not especially good in the outfield. Bruce Fields told me he'd seen him. You know, Bruce is one of the minor league hitting coordinators, and he said he's actually, you know, he's fairly athletic. So if you're athletic and maybe you don't throw especially well, Rondell White didn't have a good arm. He was athletic. He couldn't throw a lick. But – I mean, if at least you can cover ground in the outfield and you work at it, and Bruce said he does work at it and he is athletic, I mean, maybe he has a chance to be more than a DH because a lot of people right now seem to think he's a DH. Well, I have enormous respect for Bruce, so don't you know take it that I don't. And he may very well be right, but my observations of Christian Stewart is that he's a well below average outfielder. Because of what? Well, one, of I, I don't think You don't he, think he moves well what? I, well, he doesn't have tremendous foot speed. Um, he is somebody that uh, throwing. I mean, he's an extra base about to happen. I mean, there really. It's, Sometimes you can't explain it. Yeah, you, he doesn't throw hard. <laughs> he doesn't throw well. He has trouble throwing. So those are two things. Um, I don't think he's a horrible athlete. Don't get me wrong, but he's not. You know, there, there's a correlation because he was an advanced guy. He played at very high level competition in the SEC. Uh, he was an outstanding college player. He was taken about the same time in the draft. And he's a left-handed hitter. There was kind of this like, whoa, is he like Curtis Granderson? 
He's nothing like Curtis Granders. <laughs> All right, he's got actually more power than Curtis. I mean, if they're taking batting practice, he would hit the ball further than Curtis by a long shot. And he's six foot one ninety five. Oh, he, he's not big. He's bigger than that. I don't know what they weigh yeah. him now. He looks like an NFL linebacker, and he sets up there in this certain stance. It's very threatening. <laughs> you look at Christian Stewart, you do not want to throw the ball over the plate. And don't get it caught up in his batting average. He made, His no, strikeout rate to me isn't too high for a guy who hits with power. He draws a, he, walks. He's got big time, uh, in my, my opinion. If he hits his ceiling, it's, yeah. it's high as a hitter. Defensively. And there's a chance we'll see him this year, don't you think? I mean, oh, and he has a chance to make an impact because they need a left-handed bat. You know, but you know, I remember seeing Stephen Moya, and he had special power. I mean, but special power. low walks, high strikeouts in the different. minor this leagues. This guy's got a high walk rate, or certainly a rock-solid walk rate, with the strikeouts that aren't over the top. Yeah, and so Moya was always low walks, very high strikeouts. Big-time power. You know, so I, I, but I, I think Christian Stewart could be a very special hitter. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, we haven't talked enough about him right. as a hitter. But and as a defensive player... And Bruce has seen him play a lot, so you know I would take. He Bruce. Think, I mean, he, Bruce is. I mean, he was being honest. No, Bruce is not one to you know. If he didn't uh, think he could play a lick, he would have said so. You're right. I wouldn't say right. anything. And I respect <laughs> Bruce. No, Bruce for long, but I respect Bruce on that. But like I said, my observation of him that could be a kind of a struggle, especially in the Comerica Park. The translation of it, it's a littler ballpark in Erie. So when he played at Henley Field when he was at Lakeland, so it's a smaller park than. The major league parks. So it'll be interesting what he does in Toledo. But I think he's a really good hitter. But anyway, James McCann's coming up next. Tiger Talk 97 won the ticket. Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97 won the ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. And uh, we're joined now by uh, Tigers catcher james mccann how are you james i'm doing oops there we go we <laughs> operator error yeah <laughs> you there james can y'all, yeah, can there. y'all hear me now yeah we can hear you now that was my fault okay. i apologize but uh you're on tiger okay. talk i'm pat caputo dan dickerson is here and uh how's the off season been going for you so far and uh you looking forward to spring training well it's uh it's been a busy off season for the camp family but uh i i can't wait for spring training Got some children, I understand, on the way here. Already have arrived. They've already arrived. They uh, they arrived early, uh, December sixth. They were born uh, at thirty weeks. So we've been uh, we've been in the NICU for oh, wow. since then. Um, I'm actually sitting in a in a waiting room right now, talking to y'all. But uh, oh wow, yeah, they they uh, we well we started our off season with a move of our off season home to uh, the Nashville area and. Uh, we we finally kind of started to started to get settled in around Thanksgiving, and a couple of weeks later we had two babies born. So. so tell us, so they were were they tiny? And you said they still have not yet gone home. Is there hope they can go home soon? Yeah, so they they were born uh, three pounds three ounces, All right. two pounds eight ounces, um, and they are now up to four pounds thirteen ounces and four pounds six ounces. Boy, um, girl, two. Which is it? Two boys. Two boys. Okay. Boys, uh, Christian and Kane, um, and they uh, they're they're doing really well. Um, we don't know when they're going to be able to come home yet, but they are uh, they're making strides and they're gaining weight and doing everything they they need to do. Uh, you know, right on right on pace with what the the doctors are are happy with. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we can't thank you enough for 
being in a waiting room <laughs> with your two boys just a few feet away and taking the time to join us tonight. We appreciate it. Absolutely. So, James, uh, talk a little bit about kind of your thoughts. I, I always think it's interesting to hear from the players' perspective. I mean, a lot of people are thinking, well, after a 98-loss season and, and the players and the talent this team has lost, uh, this is going to be another lean year. But just from your perspective, I, there still is talent on this team. There still is the hope that guys like Boyd and Norris can be regular, productive members of a major league rotation. They've been up and down, obviously, the last two years. How do you look at the talent on this team going into spring training? Well, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it's it's a known fact that, that we're going through a rebuild. Um, with that being said, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys on that roster that, 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 cause, that, that can make cause for excitement. Um, you know, there, there is talent. There, it's just unknown talent, and it's, it's talent that is still, uh, you know, still being groomed. Um, you know, you look at Candelario over at third base, he, he's got a chance to be a phenomenal big leaguer uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, you still have Iglesias at shortstop. Uh, you've got the best hitter of our, of our generation playing first base. Um, you know, so and then you got Nick Castellanos who is making a transition to right field, and, and you see what kind of year he put up last year. Um, and then, yeah, you talk about Norse, and, and you talk about Boyd, you talk about Fulmer. Uh, you know, so there's there's guys that, that you know have reason to, to give give you hope. Um, and, I, and I understand what what everyone talks about, and everyone says that uh, you know you know expect a hundred loss season and. Um, you know, but in all honesty, I, I think that, that there is talent on, on the team that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to surprise people at times. You know, you're a catcher. You've been in the big leagues now for a while. Uh, a lot of your older teammates have moved to other organizations. Um, do you look at uh, your leadership role? You've always seemed to be a natural leader. Um, is it going to be more enhanced this year uh, under the circumstances for you, James? Yeah, I, I do think that I'd like to, to take a, another step forward as far as a leadership role. Um, I, I say it's easy in the sense that, uh, you know, being the catcher, you're, you're the general of the team, and, and you, whether you're a, a team leader or not, you have to be a leader of sorts on the field um, at that position. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, with, with the, the guys that have moved on and, and it's a new a new generation of players coming through Detroit that uh, – you know, there, there is going to be some different leadership, and, and I think that, uh, that that's definitely a role that I'd, I'd like to step into moving moving forward. How do you feel about your year, James? I mean, it's uh, you're kind of a quiet but impressive improvements offensively. I know that for Brad Osmus, the biggest thing for a catcher is learning to call a game, and you've obviously had a lot of experience now over the last couple of years getting a chance to do that. He put that skill above all others when it comes to evaluating a catcher. Talk about those two areas of your game, the progress that you made in 2017. Yeah, so uh, offensively, um, you know, it started out uh, it started out slow for me, um, and it was a real a real test uh, to my will and and, and my my uh, you know faith as far as you know sticking with a, a plan and, and trusting that it was going to going to work um over the long haul of the season and uh you know then you know, i was able to finally start to see the results come you know more towards the, the middle of the season the second half and um you know it's exactly what veterans told me when i first made it to the big leagues so guys like tory hunter and and don kelly that said don't don't fret over a bad month um you know the difference between having a bad month in april and a bad month in august is 
in April, you look up and you see you're hitting above 50. In April or in August, you look up and you've gone from 290 to 260. You know, yeah. and it's just a matter of you know, you look up and you see, you see you're hitting a buck fifty, and it's really easy to get down on yourself. You know, in August you go from two ninety to two sixty, and you go, oh, oh well, you know, another hundred at bats, and I'll be back up to two seventy five. What about? Um, oh, so, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to ask you about uh, the, the uh, pitching staff. You've got uh, a young pitching staff now, uh, a little bit different than uh, you know throwing down a, a finger for JV or two fingers for JV. Uh, you've got these young guys. Are, going to take a more of a role of uh, calling the pitches and being more involved in that, uh, especially when some of these guys come up? Yeah, I think that, and, and that, that's what I was going to talk about as far as pitch calling goes, is, is now I've had, you know, I've had experience and I've been around the league more than once, um, so I've got no hitters and I, I have experience that I can fall back on uh, facing different guys. Uh, so that's information that I can I can help the, the younger pitchers with, um, and, and that's something that uh, you know, go a long way into into their development is how quickly you know we can get on the same page and how quickly we can uh, you know figure out how each guy has to attack hitters um, based on the on the repertoire they have. Um, that's the, that's the biggest thing for calling pitches is, is understanding each individual pitcher. Uh, you can't call you can't call a game the same way uh, you know with a guy like JV uh, versus a guy you know like Boyd. You know they're they're completely different pitchers. Um, they have completely different strengths and different weaknesses, and, and that's something that you have to take into account when, when you are calling a game. Well, James, uh, best of luck with your family situation. Congratulations on the birth of your children. And uh, look forward to uh, the start of the season, spring training, all that stuff good coming up. Good luck to you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, James. All right. Take care. There you go. That's uh, James McCann. Nice guy. Great guy. Great to hear those babies have gained uh... – a little over a pound for one and a pound and a half for the other. That's that's big when you're born that far premature. And uh, congratulations to the McCann family still in the uh, in the uh, in the care of uh, the hospital before they get to go home. Hopefully they get to go home soon. What, what day are we on next week? We are on Friday, a week from Friday. Okay, week from Friday. We'll talk to you then. We got Tiger Fest will be coming up pretty soon. Uh, enjoyed it, Dan. You know what's coming up next? Pistons tonight. I'll be hosting Pistons tonight. I'm excited I'll about that. I'll call in on my way home. And then inside Hockey Town after that. But anyway, enjoyed it, Dan. Uh, 97 won the ticket. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.